How do you respond when you're facing life's challenges? Because they're inevitable, aren't they? There's always things in life that we find hard. They can be things of our own causing. Uh, They can also be uh, as a result of other people's actions towards us. And there's lots of good advice out there, I'm sure, for how to respond when we're facing a, a particular challenge or difficulty. Break it down into smaller bits. Take it one day at a time. Call in appropriate help or support or speak to a friend or something like that. But there are times when the challenges and the difficulties of life can feel still somewhat overwhelming. Challenges for ourselves in our own situations, but also perhaps challenges as we look out. And at a time when uh, we can take news in from all around the world, live, then you can sort of feel some of the difficulties, the challenges, the problems in the world. It can feel quite overwhelming. And we're not always sure how to respond how do i play my part in this how might god use me or us to make a positive difference when there's so many things which just seem like a real challenge because life has its challenges and nehemiah knew this and it became evident to him as he heard this news from jerusalem remember he's been in persia probably all his life But he still identifies with God's people. And he says that one of his brothers, Hanani, comes from Judah, back from where they were from, uh, with this news. Now, Nehemiah is going to be part of the third wave of Israelites going back to the land. There's already been two great movements back already. And there were some people, a remnant, that stayed living in the land. So he's interested to hear how things are back home. And the news comes, but sadly, the news is bad news. Those who survived the exile and those who are back in the province are in great trouble and disgrace. The wall of Jerusalem is broken down and its gates have been burned with fire. When I heard these things, I sat down and wept, Nehemiah says. What a challenge to him. Here is a man clearly who is passionate about God, about the people of God and about the place and the calling that God has given to them. And to hear that the city where God is to dwell is in ruins and to hear that the people are in disgrace, it breaks his heart and he sits down and his initial response is to cry. Nehemiah knows that life has its challenges and I'm sure that you and I do as well, each in our own situations. We know that life is hard. I was watching a film, one of my favourite films this week, which makes this point very astutely. Uh, it's in The Princess Bride, in case you happen to like that film. And in The Princess Bride, the dread pirate Roberts, yes, it's that kind of film, uh, says to Buttercup, the he- one of the heroes of the film, Life is pain, Highness. Anyone who says differently is selling something. And for Nehemiah, it must have felt like life was pain. Now, he had a good job. He was cupbearer to the king. That was an important role. It meant that he tested the king's food and drink before King Ataxerxes. I'm going to keep saying that because I've been practicing it all week. He tested the food before King Ataxerxes tasted it. So he was a trusted official. That was a responsible position. If you were the one uh, whose job was to test that the king's food wasn't poisoned, that meant that the king really trusted you. And it also meant that you had to trust the people who were preparing the food as well, because you were the one who was going to, well, find out pretty quickly, if not. So he had a good job. But his heart and his passion was for what God had called his people to do and to be and to build. 
And when he hears this story of the city of Jerusalem lying in ruins, the walls having been broken down and the gates burning with fire, the people in great trouble and disgrace, his response initially is to sit down and to weep. That's quite helpful for a start. Here's this great kind of hero, really, of the Bible, Nehemiah, who loves God and loves his people and loves what God's called them to. And he's not afraid to cry. He's not afraid to show his emotion, to wear his heart on his sleeve, to respond passionately to the things in life that really matter. Now, what about us? You see, at that point, the, the concern of the people of God, the Israelites, was of course the city that God had called them to build in the land that he'd given to them. But for us, under the covenant, the promise that Jesus has given us, we are not here about the buildings or the buildings of the walls, as useful as they can be. No, actually what God is building is his kingdom in people's hearts. That's what Jesus has come to bring. God's kingdom, your kingdom come. Your will done in the hearts and lives of the people who come to you in faith. We are called to play our part in the coming of God's kingdom, the building of God's kingdom by people coming to believe and trust and receive Jesus Christ into their lives. And the place where God dwells now is not the physical city, nor the temple, but the hearts of his people. So where Nehemiah is concerned for the city where God dwells, our concern must be for the hearts of the people in whom God's presence dwells. How are the city walls of your heart doing? Have they taken a bit of a battering recently? Have they been attacked from the outside by things which have meant that you're feeling rather fragile? If you're honest with yourself, if I'm honest with myself, are we actually in danger of allowing that thing that God is trying to build in our hearts, that place for him to dwell, are we allowing it to crumble from the inside because actually we're not taking the time to allow God to build it? Where Nehemiah was concerned for the city, Jesus' call to us is to have a concern for our own hearts and for the church, and for the kingdom that God is building. And sometimes that too can feel like an overwhelming challenge when we look out. We wonder, how is God at work? Where is God? Where is this kingdom that Jesus has promised to build? I, I, I turn on the news and I don't, I don't instantly see it everywhere. It doesn't always feel like Jesus has won the victory here. Of course, if you look with your eyes of faith, you can see it. If you listen to the stories of what God is doing, there are amazing things going on around the world, even in particularly Iran, of all places, where uh, Nehemiah was based, of people having visions and dreams of Jesus and coming to faith, coming to forgiveness, coming to freedom in his name, in the most unlikely of all situations. But it can feel like the challenges as we look out are overwhelming. So how do we respond? Do we respond like Nehemiah, who gets down on his knees and trusts it to God. He, he's honest about how he feels. And he responds by going to God in prayer and fasting and putting it into the Lord's hands because life has its challenges. But the good news is there in the prayer that Nehemiah prays in response. He doesn't just get down on his knees to weep out of resignation, but out of hope and expectation in the God that he prays to. Yes, life has its challenges, but we have a faithful God. 
If all of that talk of challenges and difficulties feels overwhelming, well, listen carefully to these words that Nehemiah prays to the God he believes in, the same God today that we can believe in, that we can turn to, that we can come to in prayer, and who we can know working in our lives and in the world. Listen to this. Listen to who this God is. Lord, the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes open to hear the prayer your servant is praying before you day and night the people your servants the people of israel i confess the sins we israelites including myself and my father's family have committed against you lord the god of heaven the great and awesome god nehemiah falls down on his knees and cries out to God, not out of desperation and despair, but out of hope and expectation that the God he knows will stay true to his promise to come and save his people, to work through them, to restore what it is that God has promised to do, so that even in the face of great challenge, perhaps especially because of it, Nehemiah's response is to come to God and to believe that God will make the difference. It's very different to the narrative that places like Hollywood will try and sell us. You know how in the films, it's the hero who, just at that point where they fall to their knees and it feels like everything's over and uh, the baddies are going to win and there's no hope, they're not going to rescue people and it's all going to go wrong or maybe the whole world is in danger. And, and, and it's come down to this one person and then at the last moment as the orchestral music starts to build, the camera zooms in and they summon up their strength and they stand to their feet and they in themselves in their own strength make the difference and rescue the world. That's the Hollywood, classic Hollywood narrative, isn't it? As I mentioned, The Princess Bride, it happens in The Princess Bride with this guy, Inigo Montoya. Has anyone, anyone here in the hall seen this film, by the way, before I bang on about it? Uh, two people, great. Uh, <laughs> that's the narrative. It's a brilliant film. It's, 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 it's a tongue-in-cheek fantasy story. As C.S. Lewis wrote in the introduction to uh, The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe, one day you'll be old enough to enjoy fairy tales. Well, this is a brilliant fairy tale. In the film, Inigo Montoya, brilliant character, he spent his whole life trying to track down the six-fingered man who murdered his father when he was a child. His whole life. And just when he finds him, he thinks he's going to get his revenge. He's li- almost literally stabbed in the back and he thinks he's going to die. But then he summons up the strength and he just repeats the same thing over and over again. My name is Inigo Montoya. You killed my father, prepare to die, and then I won't give it away. But he summons up the strength from himself. And it's, it's very powerful. It's very emotive. It's very moving. You're like, you're there when you're watching. You're like, yeah, come on. But the reality of life is that actually, frankly, it's really hard to always be the hero. To be the answer to all the challenges we face. In fact, the Bible says we cannot solve the biggest challenge that we face, which is the rebellion in our own hearts against the God who made us. We cannot do it for ourselves. As much as Hollywood love to sell us that story that makes you think we'll rise up and get it right in the end, actually, in all honesty, we can't. But there's a better story. There's a true story. It's actually what convinced C.S. Lewis to become a believer in the end. He realised that this myth of Jesus was actually true. 
The better story is not that we can be the hero. The story of Nehemiah is not that he is great and awesome. It's that he puts his trust in a great and awesome God. He looks outside of himself for the one who can bring him through the challenges that he faces in life. Not out of them, through them. He looks to God. Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of this your servant and to the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. God is a faithful God. He keeps his word. He fulfills his promises. And that is Nehemiah's prayer. Firstly, he confesses his sins. He acknowledges that some of these troubles, much of the challenges that he and God's people face are as a result of their own turning away from God. He acknowledges that. He lays it before God. And then he takes up the very promises of God and says to God, God, this is who you've told us you are and this is what you've promised to do. Now please come and be that God for us. Do those things for us. Keep your promises and see us through this time of difficulty and challenge. And God is the same yesterday, today and forever. When we come to that God in prayer, we come to the same God. The promises now for us in our setting, our context, are different to Nehemiah. As I said, we're not physically building walls, although obviously it's good to have them. But there are other promises that Jesus has made to anyone who comes to him in faith and in trust. At the end of Matthew 28, in fact, he tells those who would follow him what our mission is and how he's going to help us. Matthew 28, Jesus came to them and said, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Just as Nehemiah and God's people at that stage have been told to build the city, and Nehemiah can claim that promise and say, God, we need your help with this. We need you to bring us through this challenge as the walls are crumbling and the gates are on fire. We need you to fulfill those things that you've called us to do. Well, so too for us, we can look to those words of Jesus and say, Jesus, we need you. We look out there and we see a great challenge. Many people who don't know you, many people who are lost without you, many people who are going to die without you and that hope of eternal life. But God, you've promised to do this. You've said you will be with us to the very end of the age. So Lord, we want to claim that promise. When we're feeling the challenges, when we're feeling the weight of the world on our shoulders and we don't know where to turn, we can look to Jesus and say, Jesus, you said you will be with us, so please let me know you here. You've said that all authority has been given to you, so we want to claim that authority over the things of darkness and evil and death in the world around us. We want to claim the authority of Jesus and say, God, build your kingdom here. May your will be done. Just like Nehemiah. Coming to God with those humble but faithful prayers. Lifting up our own hearts, but also the world around us, the church, our nation, this world that God has made. For all of those things that can feel overwhelming, we can give them all back to God and say, God, you are the great and awesome God who keeps his covenant of love. What a beautiful phrase. A covenant of love. A forever promise. An unbreakable word of love to his people. And he welcomes us inside that promise. He says, if you just simply 
Trust in me. Turn to me. Come. You can be within this covenant of love. When you face life's challenges, you can know the promise of a God who is with you and a God who will lead you through. Remember, he doesn't lead you out of them. He leads you through them. And he makes you stronger. And he makes your faith dig down deeper. And he makes your gratitude, your wonder, and your worship fill your heart. Nehemiah knew that when the challenge felt overwhelming, when he fell to his knees and cried out to God, he was crying out to a faithful God who keeps his promise and would see them through. When you feel those challenges in life, follow Nehemiah firstly onto your knees and then back to your feet. Because our God is a God who is with us. Our God is a God who keeps his promises. Our God is a God who will see us through and will achieve the purposes that he's called us to, just as he did for Nehemiah. At this time now, as we think about what it means to regather as God's people, to refocus on that mission that Jesus has given us, and to rebuild by praying for God's kingdom to come in Wick, in Littlehampton, in the world, let us remember that we come to the God of heaven, the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him. I wonder what God is saying to you this morning. I wonder if there's a particular challenge in life that God wants to speak into and say, give it to me. I wonder if there's a a danger of the heart that God has been building, feeling like it's just crumbling a little bit feeling a little bit battered. And God wants to say, I'm here. I will pour my Holy Spirit into your heart and keep on building what I've been building in you and through you. Maybe for the very first time, actually, you want to open the gates of your heart to him to come in and to build the person that he's made you to be.